Welcome to the latest edition of the Student Review Podcast. I'm Garrett, Brady of Student Review, and I'm joined as always by Justin and Michael. Justin today taking care of some holiday stuff, and so we will be doing our usual pop culture talk. We uh, did the Holiday Gift Guide Live Part 1 last week, and so everything is uh, great on that regard. But you can catch us online at sknr.net. You can also go to Canal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central, keyword C, and that is now 12 newspapers that carry our reviews, and you can see our game reviews and such there. DJ Shades, Geek Nation, and KSWFM, we have simulcasts on our page, but you can also go to KSW.com and follow that, where we talk movies, games, hardware, travel, pop culture, entertainment, and more. And of course, in addition to syndication, we have student reviews and magazines, which is currently putting together its uh, next issue, which will be our last issue of 2020. And this week we are going to uh, swing back to a little bit more of a normal uh, format. During this time of year, it gets a little difficult because news becomes very sporadic, and a lot of the stuff that comes in isn't always uh, overly exciting. You know, you can talk about, oh, this game has announced that they're going to be delaying an update. Well, that's fine for the day that it came out, but a couple of days later, it's not really that big of a news story, and truthfully, uh, you know, a Call of Duty patch, a Watch Dogs Legion update being delayed, kind of is expected this year under the current situation. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a uh, some changing trends in the movie industry, and we're also going to be looking at what we think is hopefully some really good news about upcoming conventions. So starting off, we'd like to discuss uh, the news that came out this week that Pats uh, is talking about resuming in-person shows in 2021. I'm going to um, read you a little bit of information that they sent out to us. So, uh, Repop and Penny Arcade look forward to welcoming gamers home in 2021 with the return of North America's most attended gaming events. Taxis, Tax Webs, and Tax Unplugged. Uh, and of course, I will paraphrase some of the stuff here for the interest of time. Pending improvements in the global COVID-19 situation and with the support and guidance of local government and health officials, Taxis will return Thursday, June 3rd through Sunday, June 6th to the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. Tax West 2021 will descend on the Washington State Convention Center in Seattle Friday, September 3rd through Monday, September 6th. Tax Unplugged will also light up the Pennsylvania Convention Center in Philadelphia from December 10th through Sunday, December 12th. And they mentioned that Tax South will not take place, which is usually after this January, uh, but organizers look forward to returning the show in 2022. Information about Tax Australia will come in the following weeks. So, um, they talked about looking forward to hosting in 2021. They talked about being members of the community where they call home and so on and so forth. Badgers to Taxi, Tax West, Taxi and Flood will go on sale at a later date to be announced. Exhibitor information, panel schedule, and so on and so forth will be shared next year. And then they go on to talk about uh, travel guides, safety, and accessibility information. So... Uh, Justin, let's start with you. You've been to Taxis, um, and let's not forget Taxis and C2E2, also done by Repop, were the last major conventions to happen before all this shut down. Um, what do you think? 
Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty optimistic. Um, you know, I, I, I really do hope the best. Um, but, you know, the, the numbers are, are pretty bad right now. So uh, I think that one thing that they're sort of banking on is, uh, is you know, uh, optimistic news about the vaccine, which is great. Uh, there has been some, some news on that, uh, actually multiple uh, different candidates. And it does seem like, you know, it's just, it's absolutely great that, uh, you know, that, that is, um, um, you know, moving so forward so quickly. I think that's is definitely much faster than, than I originally thought. So, and I think they're, they're kind of banking on that, that kind of optimistic news. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to have to kind of wait and see, because I, I can, I can imagine that this, this could change depending on, you know, if numbers continue to get worse. Um, you know, it could, even if the vaccine comes out, um, we don't know how fast it's going to be rolled out. You know, there's logistical issues I was reading about. And, you know, obviously there, you know, you'd, ha you'd have to have like millions of people, uh, get on board, which, you know, takes time and it takes, um, you know, it takes effort on, on parts of lots of people. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they are able to open and open safely. Um, but, you know, just like with the beginning of this whole thing, uh, conventions are like the top number one thing that, uh, that probably gets closed first. Um, it's just a, it's an activity that just has too many people in one spot. Um, and it's, you know, I can imagine though, that they've probably been thinking about this quite a bit. And even, even with, you know, keeping COVID in mind, um, I imagine that they've come up with different ways to, uh, to hold an event more safely, have people spaced out more. Uh, so hopefully, uh, they are able to show that they can have a convention with no, with no spread and, um, and then, you know, kind of open the doors for other conventions to go forward. And, uh, Michael, your take, please. Yeah, so I agree. I mean, there's a couple of things. Timing is going to be key, right? I think if we're talking about anything in the spring, early summer, I think those are going to be unlikely to occur. Um, but if we're talking mid-summer, late summer, fall, um, assuming that, you know, the vaccine front, everything looks good on that front, um, you know, there's, there's obviously logistical things there. And I and, and to kind of go along with what Justin was saying, I don't think that a majority of people are going to be vaccinated that want to be vaccinated until maybe April at the earliest, right? Because it's, you know, rollout logistics. Uh, and again, that's the kind of people who want the vaccination. We're not talking about people who are resistant to getting vaccinated or, or anything like that. Um, so I think, it, yeah, it's gonna, it's, I think it, everybody's kind of being optimistic now or trying to be optimistic about the time frame on these things. Um, we've even seen things like CinemaCon, where they normally would go into March, early April, pushing their show back to end of August. Uh, I think the assumption is that we're not gonna see anything convention-wise, in-person-wise, until at least April to May. Um, and then, you know, we're probably going to see things like um, San Diego Comic-Con in, in July will probably happen, assuming everything goes well with the vaccine. I think that's going to be a, one of the biggest, um, one of the first of the largest conventions, assuming everything goes as expected, that we'll see, you know, come up. Uh, so I think if, you know, PAX is planning to do their September timeframe um, or maybe something in the in the mid to late summer, I think it's a realistic thing to, to consider. Uh, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of us with this stuff because we all know there's still questions about vaccine availability. There's going to be questions about uh, 
efficacy, there's still going to be questions about how long um, people are going to be uh, resistant, you know, and, and there's other things that can happen during this time that are unrelated to, to COVID at all. Um, what we learned about 2020 and, and going into 2021 is we can plan for these things, but we never can, you know, know for sure what's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's positive news. I think it's good for people to plan and, and to hope for these things, but I think the next, you know, three, four, five months are really going to be telling as far as where we go as far as conventions and the willingness of people to attend it and move forward from there. You know, it's interesting because there's been so much news. I've had uh, so many doctors say, oh, yeah, everything's good. The data looks good. I talked to one doctor last week who said, you know, I got a little bit of a hesitation about this because I'm a little concerned that this happened a little too quickly. And while all the data looks good, we don't know about the long-term effects. You know, it, it's one thing to give people these shots and then four months, five months later say, oh, hey, look, everyone's great. But, you know, two, three, four months down the road, who knows? But um, you kind of lean toward the majority of world experts are saying, yeah, the number is safe. Now, like, here's a, a, you know, a rather interesting thing to consider. The UK has approved one of the vaccines for use, and the UK health chief came out five hours ago and said the vaccine is very safe and highly effective You've had several ex-presidents come out and say, uh, and as well as President-elect Biden, saying that they'd be willing to get vaccinated on camera to show it's uh, this. We've, uh, there were reports from three hours ago coming out that Queen Elizabeth, Prince Philip, uh, may be among the first in the UK to get vaccinated, not just because of their position, but because they want to lead by example and say to people, look, you know, here we are two elderly monarchs and we're willing to take a chance on that. And the reason I, I mention that is I think in many ways, everyone's looking at the convention scape here. It's interesting that Repop also does C2E2 and Emerald City Comic Con. They announced those were happening in December. So what I found really interesting is they came out and said, hey, these shows that usually happen March slash April, we're going in December. And then they came out with shows that usually happen um, you know, spring and summer, and said, yeah, we're pretty much going to stick to these dates. I mean, PAX Unplugged often is November, moving to December, okay. But here is a really interesting thing to consider. Um, looking over upcoming conventions in the UK, now they had one in December 5th, one in December 6th. Those have been canceled. So there's London Comic March in February. You can go, eh, but then you start looking down the calendar, and there's like a Dublin one, a Shrewsbury one, Cardiff and Wales, Bristol, Manchester. There's one in April that's already been postponed. But they have a large number of comic conventions and gatherings. Now, admittedly, they're not to the scale of San Diego Comic-Con, but there's a lot of them still on the schedule for March, April, and May. I'd say about 20 of these things. Um, it will be interesting to see because in many ways those may be the first to say yep we're going ahead because the vaccine is available there they're i believe they're going to start uh, being able to inoculate people as soon as uh uh yeah it's just tuesday as soon as next week um, they're going to start being able to start inoculating people and that'll be interesting i even saw one proposal that we've talked about health screenings and stuff where they showed a potential inoculation card from the CDC, 
where you'll have to show that you had this in order to get into these conventions. You still have to mask in space. And then I even saw one thing where uh, there was something floated around. I don't remember which politician or person uh, did this, but they were floating around a potential incentive saying, you know, $1,500 if you're willing to take the vaccine because it's in the interest of the public health. Now, some have immediately said, okay, see, they have to bribe us to take this. It's not good. But others are saying, well, see, this goes to show you that they're, they're trying to get this thing as widely distributed as they can. So uh, it'll be interesting, but it, it's nice to see, um, nice to see them moving ahead. But as we all know, we saw this plenty of times this year where people would put a date and then move it, put a date, move it, put a date, move it, and then finally cancel it or move online. So we all know these are flexible. We know at this point it's a placeholder. Let's not forget it. Just a few, what was it, less than two months ago, L.A. Comic-Con was selling tickets, still insisting that they were going to go ahead in December. And within 10 days, we learned very quickly that wasn't happening. So... Who knows? Fingers crossed on to better and bigger things. One thing we do know that is coming up is the Consumer Electronics Show. Now, traditionally, this is our um, uh, first event of 2021, uh, excuse me, first event of any year where we uh, head on over to Las Vegas and we enjoy Michael uh, heads over usually early. Our brother-in-law, uh, my brother-in-law, Mark, who lives there, they head over, they usually do the early days of the show, like the Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday conferences. Genevieve and I usually come over Wednesday, catch some, um, uh, like last year we went over to the uh, Sands and did a couple of the halls late Wednesday, and literally the moment we pulled into town, did the main floor on Thursday, Friday, some off-site meetings and catch up, and then we get to enjoy the evening. Saturday, a little bit of Sunday in Vegas, kind of like a mixed work vacation. Well, this year it's all digital, and we are looking at January 11th through 14th, and uh, CES started the sign-ups the other day, so uh, we're all sign up, signed up and ready to go. And they're talking about um, keynotes and conferences, exhibitor showcases, and, of course, networking. And it's interesting because they say that um, we talked about one of the big things is being able to go over and actually touch the product, try the product, put on headphones, and, uh, you know, we do get emails and video and stuff and pictures throughout the year saying, here's our new headphones, boy, they sound great. Uh, but at CES, it's a case of everybody's there, so you want to really stand out. Um, going to be interesting. I mean... The usual suspects are there, and I don't mean that in any bad way, shape, or form, because we've already uh, been, you know, they already list Bosch, Canon, Intel, Lenovo, LG, Panasonic, P&G, and Samsung as featured exhibitors. So, Michael, start us off. What are we, what are we expecting? Yeah, one of the things I think that's um, in the, one thing that's always been unique about CES, and one of the things that obviously is not going to translate very well virtually is CES has always been kind of about the hands-on, right? It's not just seeing things that are announcements that are being made. And, and yeah, they have those. Like you'll, like in the beginning, you'll have your Samsung show and your um, you know, Sony show and stuff like that where they kind of do the t traditional, um, have somebody on stage talking to a big crowd, um, that kind of thing. You know, going, you know, showing off stuff. 
but really the, the key thing that the CES has been for me, and, and Gareth, I think you'll agree, is the showroom floor and the one-on-ones where you're actually getting the hands-on with the products. You're seeing the things, you know, up front, you know, close and personal, you know, and it's not only, you know, we always kind of focus on video game stuff. Maybe we talk about TVs. We talk about hardware for computers. But there are other things, too. Like, I remember a couple years ago when the, the new Jeep Wrangler was announced, it was one of the first shows where they actually had it on display where you could get in it and, and look at it. Uh, they always have, like, the Lamborghinis on the show floor, the Bugattis, that kind of thing, things you wouldn't see normally. And then, of course, you get to play with all the new stuff coming out. You get to see the new – I think last year the big draw was the 8K televisions maybe two years ago. Um, getting to see those up, you know, in person because you can't really see a, a really good – you can't really tell what an 8K television looks like virtually, right? Um, even we even had a problem with 4K, although now with 4K streaming, it's less of an issue. But you really don't get the same experience. I mean, if you don't get the same hands-on with the new graphics cards. You don't get the new hands-on with the motherboards. Um, you still have the one-on-one meetings, and, and you know I've done a few of these um, over the past year, over this past year. I had a meeting, um, you know, with uh, Be Quiet. And they showed off one of their new cases, um, and I got to do that virtually one-on-one, ask questions, and that's all well and good. But you really kind of miss out on the hands-on stuff. So I think it's still going to be a, you know, a good experience. We're still going to get lots of announcements. Those are all things that are going to be um, that what we expect out of CES. But I think the thing we're all going to miss, uh, me personally, but I think a lot of a lot of the folks who rely on the, the, you know, the industry folks and the, the media folks, the people who get the hands on, to really describe their experience and, and what's really good. So it's, it's going to be interesting and unique. Again, one of the, it's one of the shows I think is much harder to pull off virtually because you don't get that experience um, than, say, something like an E3 or something where you're watching video game reviews. I mean, watching video game um, showcases and you're getting some, you know, maybe demos to play. Um, So, yeah, it'll be be a different experience, but at the same time, it's still something I look forward to and and we'll look forward to how they kind of pull it off this year. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I think Michael's totally right there. I think CES has always sort of benefited from the hands-on approach. I mean, it's, it's new technology, so seeing it right in front of you and getting your hands on it and getting it in, kind of seeing it in context, I think is a huge portion of what makes CES special. Um, you know, I, I think this is probably the best that we could hope for, um, given the circumstances, um, given that, you know, they, they want to hold the event, um, you know, at the usual time that they do. And, you know, we're going through what we're going through. So, um, I think this is probably the best they could do, and I think it's it's still good. It's still good that they're doing it. It's still good that we get to see new technology. And yeah, I think a lot of these companies can probably do pretty good presentations um, and kind of show us what what is new out there. But um, you know, I I do think they're probably going to lose quite a bit of what makes the ES special um, by doing it in all digital format. But unfortunately, it's just this is the way it is right now. Uh, hopefully, next year that they'll they'll be able to hold a more normal CES. I would think, you know, I, I kind of am joking about this, trying to put a positive spin on all this stuff because, um, you know, we, as we talked about off air, we had a planned trip to California next week and it looks with like with the new lockdown that's going into effect tonight, that that's definitely not going to happen. And so, you know, I try to say, well, with any lockdown, 
2022 will be fine. I know we said, well, with any luck, 2021 will get better. I still think it, it has the potential to do that. But, you know, obviously it's going to hurt because while this doesn't have the um, impact per se on our bigger operating picture for the year, and that something like a Comic-Con would because you're talking about shows and movies that have yet to come and there'll be more news leading up to it and the interviews and, um, you know, things like E3 where, again, it packs where you see the game, play the game, cover the games and all the stuff, and then the game comes out, and then, of course, there's add-ons and DLC, and it's a long-term thing. One of the great things about CES, like most shows, is the networking, is seeing the people. I have a, won't name them, but there's a major company that we've dealt with for years, and uh, our rep um, re didn't, didn't so much retire, but she left, so she got married, decided to raise a family, got out of it. Uh, new rep came in, was not very easy to work with. Um, in the last week, I found out that they moved on to something else. So here we are, you know, trying to get used to seeing who our new rep is and who, you know, how things are going to operate. And one of the great things about a show like CES is being able to not just the showroom floors. I mean, as we've talked about, it is expansive. It sprawls all over the convention center, the parking lot, the Venetian, the Sands, Caesars Palace, and there are so many off-site, in-person suites and meetings and private stuff like that. And being able to sit down, even if it is five minutes, to talk with the people so they can say, okay, hey, you know, you're on the level, we're on the level, cuts through all this nonsense of trying to leave a phone call or to send an email, and you get to see the product, you get to directly ask the questions that you want to ask to the people who can give you answers. And, you know, not uh, disparaging PR firms, they provide a very valuable service, but sometimes they're often just the middle people between you and the company. And that, again, with E3 is a huge thing because you were talking, in most cases, directly to the company and you can get the answers. And, you know, you look at a, a show like last year, Michael, I think some people would say, it was down a little bit in terms of there wasn't anything really new and earth-shattering revealed. It was mainly refinements. And yet we had that fantastic sit-down with Razor like we normally do. We had all these, you know, fun things that we found. And I still remember, let's not forget the virtual airsoft shooting gallery that, you know, something you completely do not expect that all of a sudden here's this virtual shooting range where you're going through a warehouse picking off bad guys with an airsoft pellet that fires a gun directly at the screen and then uh, fires the pellet at the screen and then records your thing and that was just one of those crazy little things where you go this is insane or i remember going by this booth and you know las vegas for you i'm not much of a drinker but we had just driven in from our home, so about a five and a half hour drive, didn't even go to the hotel, went straight to the Venetian Park to pick up our badges and go walk through one of the floors in Eureka Plaza. Went by this booth and the guy says, would you like a cup? And they had these little plastic souvenir cups for use with swag. I think you went by this one too, Michael. And he filled it up with a beer and said, here you go. And so I'm walking around this convention floor holding a beer going, 
how many places do you know not only would they hand you a beer but say go ahead and walk around with it it's fine because we're so used to the oh if you take one of these you can't take it out of this area and so on and so forth and I think for me that's what I miss it's just the freewheeling nature of you can walk through an area and say okay seen it seen it okay massage chairs okay smart watches oh that's fine so cameras I've seen that and then all of a sudden you'll say oh wow what's that and that that's just going to be something that's really missed and unfortunately that is the world we live in right now it's either do it virtually or don't do it at all so it'd be interesting to see how they pull it off at least on the bright side you're looking at tech companies and if anyone can do something virtually it is going to be the tech companies so let's hope now uh switching gears justin we've got some news that uh, hbo and warner brothers hbo max i should say are about to ruffle up the entertainment industry so why don't you tell us what's going on yeah so this is pretty huge actually so warner brothers announced oh it's warner brothers right um yes. okay just wanted to make sure so they announced that pretty much their entire 2021 lineup of feature films will release in um in uh theaters along with uh on hbo max um i mean obviously this is contingent on theaters being open for some of these titles so um you know i think this is pretty devastating for the theaters it means that there's this whole slate of i mean let's assume that uh you know we get a handle on the pandemic next summer-ish um I don't know if that's too optimistic. I don't know if that's super realistic, but just for the sake of argument, um, you know, if we assume that the pandemic is mostly under control, numbers are very low uh, to the point where theaters can open safely uh, in the blockbuster season, um, and this deal is still in place, this is absolutely devastating for for uh, uh, for theaters, and not not only just because of Warner Brothers. It does. I mean, if Warner Brothers shows that they can be successful with this. It's going to open the door for other studios to do the same thing. Um, and the CEO of AMC put out uh, AMC Theaters uh, put out a statement. You know that was pretty uh, um, pretty barbed about this whole thing. Um, you know, basically saying that they're going to do everything they can to to fight stuff like this. And yeah, it makes sense. I mean, this is their this is their livelihood. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of these huge movies. That's really the whole, the, the whole thing keeping theaters afloat. Um, you know, on, on top of the fact that theaters are just devastated right now because they've, they've been closed for so long, making absolutely no revenue. Uh, so this is kind of just uh, throwing salt in the wound, so to speak. I feel really bad for anybody who's in the theater industry because, uh, you know, those margin the margins for theaters is very low to begin with, uh, even before all this. So um, to... to for that, for Warner Brothers to do this, this is this is real bad for theaters, um, you know. And I do I do hope they can come up with something that, you know, helps them out because, uh, you know, th this means that that movies like Dune um, are going going to basically open simultaneously, assuming theaters are open. Meaning, if you have an HBO subscription, you don't even have to go to the theaters to go watch it, um, right when the movie comes out. So. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is pretty a pretty shaking uh, industry shaking uh, choice that they've decided to do, um, and especially if they show that it's successful, 
uh, and they're able to show that they they have good revenue um, for uh, blockbuster movies like through HBO Max, then they might in the future basically just say, you know what, what why do we need to have a, a deal with uh, with theaters? Why don't we just keep everything in house? Um, so hopefully, uh, I don't know. I like the theater going experience for for most movies, so I do hope that the theaters get something because uh, they've really had a long string of losses lately. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, too, that there is also that little curveball that has uh, quietly been forgotten that now it is legal for studios to own movie theaters again, which has been a uh, problem for years because uh, they weren't allowed to do so, unlike the old days when they had the studio system and a theater would be controlled by a studio. So that's now off the table. So Michael, what is your take on this? Yeah, so this is, there's a couple of things you can, you can see with this occurring now. Um, with the HBO Max agreement, those are gonna be, I believe, free to watch on the same day. So it's not like you have to pay a, a premium, kind of like the Mulan Disney Plus uh, fiasco thing that we talked about a couple of months ago. And right now, HBO Max, if you don't own HBO, HBO Max itself is, I think, going for right around $12 a month if you buy the six months. It's, yeah. it's you know, 15 a month, or you can pay $12 for an annual subscription. I think it's boiled down to like 70 bucks um, in six months or something. Anyways, so if you look at it from a strictly cost perspective, it's cheaper to have HBO Max for, instead of going to the movies. I mean, I mean, it is. $12 a month, $15 a month. Your whole family gets to watch brand new movies as they come out, and that's not even counting the enormous, uh, you know, enormous catalog that HBO Max has with it from a um, television show movie perspective as well. So if you're looking at it strictly from a financial aspect of somebody who is um, suffering because of COVID, from a from a job perspective, they like going to movies, and it's something that they can pay twelve dollars a month to watch this new, or they can go spend 30 plus for their family to go to a movie, not counting concessions. Yeah, for those folks, it's, it's going to be a really tough sell for them to say, why would I go to the movies if I could pay, you know, 12 to $15 a month and still get to see the movies that are coming out. Um, and let's thought, you know, for 2021, and again, these are all based on these can be pushed back. Um, they may not hit the theater in 2021, but these are movies like Dune, as Justin had mentioned, the new Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, potentially. Um, Kong versus Godzilla, Tom and Jerry, um, you know, uh, Wonder Woman 84. I mean, these are huge budget movies, again, based on the availability that they actually released this year and, and, and you know, that kind of thing. But those are all the potential ones that people are not going to get to watch for free. Um, now, for me, personally, I like the movie-going experience. I like going to a, a big, you know, big screen. I like getting the popcorn. I like um, you know, spending, you know, that, that experience doing that kind of thing. But... That being said, with the way COVID is and with the uncertainty and kind of what we talked about with the uh, convention thing, it may not be until May or June or July where people feel comfortable going to a crowded theater. Now, people might feel comfortable going to a theater with five people in it, but again, that's not making any money for the theater owners either. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a catch-22 is even if they don't, even if they hold off and release movies only in theaters, then theater owners aren't necessarily making any money anyway, which I think is kind of, you know, Warner Brothers, they want to drive HBO Max subscriptions, they kind of want to give it a subscription service, um, and again, they call it an experiment, I think it's going to be 
something that's going to probably stay with us a lot longer than 2021. Now, on the flip side, if you're looking at it from a big budget perspective, now we're talking about how much budget can the movies actually put into films, feature films, on a streaming-only service or at a very limited uh, theatrical release run. You know, because again, they're not making the kind of money on a streaming service that they're going to make um, in, a, in the theater from a from a you know, blockbuster perspective. That's not to say they won't make it up in other ways with you know subscriptions, um, that sort of thing. But if we're talking about movies that might make a billion dollars in theaters, you know, you're not going to likely see that on a subscription service. So then the, the next question that I think a lot of people are going to have to start asking themselves. And we've seen this done with very high-quality um, streaming shows. You know, one that comes to mind, obviously, is Mandalorian, but there are several where maybe the big blockbuster films are going to start making way for lower budget or spread out budget movies that are based on maybe short-run series. Maybe instead of making a, a, a Wonder Woman three, they make a Wonder Woman. Uh, four-part series where they kind of spread it across and they keep the subscriber base going and they don't have the blockbuster budget um, to release in theaters. So I think uh, I think this has the potential to change not only the theaters and, and how we experience movies, but I think what we're seeing now is what, what, what options do they have where they don't need to spend the kind of money to release it to a wide audience and yet still have the production effects that they would get from a big blockbuster so I, I think we're going to see um, movies change. I think we're going to see the experience change. And, and overall, I, I, I kind of find this pretty disappointing as a whole. But I understand you know, people need to make money and have to survive and make sure to do their budgets. But I really, you know, I, I, I feel bad for you know AMC and I feel bad for you know, Cinemark and those big chains. But the people that are going to get hit the worst with this are the mom and pop owned four or six screen theaters in small town somewhere where they're not getting people to come in and they're shutting down their business because they can't compete with the streaming services. And what's really sad about this is you can see the numbers, how you started to see, okay, well, maybe people will come back in the summertime and they release Tenet and they didn't do that. There are places overseas that are still doing a fairly decent business, but the argument is, well, they've got things under control a lot better. And... Then we had the whole very well-documented case where um, Cinemark and um, AMC cut a deal with Universal over, okay, so many days in theaters. Uh, then it goes to video on demand, not streaming, video on demand, and they get a cut of it. And when Warner Brothers came out and said, hey, we're going to put uh, Wonder Woman out on Christmas Day on HBO Max as well as theaters, Generally speaking, many theaters were okay, we're okay with this because we're still getting our shot and the argument was, well, you know, hey, we can put it on a big screen, we can put it in this, we can give you a better sound and picture than you're going to get at home regardless of what your setup is. So, yeah, have at it. That's fantastic. And then the problem comes in that I think between when they made that announcement, you started to see the numbers getting crazy. You started to see markets talking shutdowns again and theater closures and no different than Warner Brothers which is in California California is going into a shutdown uh, 
you know, even before that, we've heard that many of the theaters in the L.A. area are not open. And so, you know, what surprised me was the, the, A, the timing of it, because part of me says you had nothing scheduled past Wonder Woman until, what, the first quarter of 2021? So why make the announcement now? Because you're going to get all these people that are going to play that little game. Uh, they're going to get HBO Max to watch Wonder Woman, and then they're going to cancel. And then when the next thing comes along that they... Because I guess in one argument they're saying, well, you know, paying $15 at a pop is a lot better than going out and buying a couple of movie tickets and all of the stuff that comes with it. What I think is the danger about something like this is to basically lump 2021 into one big basket and say, we're going to put everything. How do we know what next Christmas time is going to look like? It could look entirely different. Um, then they also try to throw in that, well, it'll still be in theaters, we're safe to open, and it'll only be on HBO Max for a month or so. But then you have people like AMC saying, essentially, you're propping up your streaming service on the back of cinemas. And you see people online coming up with the, oh, cinemas are dying, they're dead, they're dead. And it's like, this argument's been made for decades, I mean, oh, decades, generations. You can go back and you can see the old, you know, color television was going to be the end of the cinema. Well, it wasn't. Color TV was going to be the end of the cinema. It wasn't, because every time something new comes out, they come out with a counterbalance. So, you know, boom. Uh, color TV, that's the end of cinema. So they ended up with even bigger screens and surround sound. And then sound got better. And then they had 3D television. And then they tried this. And then they came up with types of films that you wouldn't be able to get on TV. And they tried cable. Then they went back. And you could see the game. And then it became okay, now we're going to give you a better experience. We're going to give you 4K projection and surround sound and reclining seats and all of this and, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, case in point, James Cameron's Avatar film, you think they're going to look any way the same at home as they are in a, on a massive screen with digital sound when they are shot in 3D, not converted? They're going to look, you know, it, it wouldn't be the same. So there will still be a place for cinemas, and I think people still want to do the, the um, communal experience, but a recent survey uh, apparently said between 71 and 77 percent of Americans still say they do not feel safe going to the theater and do not think they will be until even after the vaccines start to be distributed. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting thing, and again, it's it, it shocks me. I could have seen them say, hey, you know what? We're going to put our stuff up through, you know, May on HBO Max and in the cinemas, and then we'll reassess. But, you know, when you're already talking about movies scheduled for next Christmas, that's going to be interesting. And then the big thing I'm curious about is, is this just a move to get the theaters to jump on board and say, hey, 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 let's make a deal, let's make a deal. Um, you got to give us a cut of this and we'll be all fine and dandy. Or is this truly just a case of we can't afford to wait and we're going to do what we want? And then what are the other cinemas, uh, others going to do? So, you know, Disney has their own outlet. 
and we've heard rumors of more and more films like Cruella and stuff that were theatrically planned coming out. So, crazy time. On to uh, our wrap-up for the better news ahead. We have video games uh, this week, and Cyberpunk 2077 is finally going to be making its way out. And we also have some uh, updates coming. I know um, the Division 2 is going to have a brand new Manhunt release. There is new content coming, I don't believe next week, but they said soon for um, Zombie Army 4, Dead War. So that'll be something interesting. And of course, there is the Season 1 for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which has been uh, is coming another week or so. And... Uh, Justin, Michael, anything else that you wanted to include before we wrap things up today? Now, nothing for me. I mean, just, you know, everybody stay safe, and, you know, we keep kind of moving towards Christmas and, and everything else. So uh, for those who celebrate, you know, Christmas and, and Hanukkah and all that, we'll be talking about that in the next couple shows. <laughs> and that will do it for us, everybody. Like Michael said, stay safe, especially... Our listeners out in California, we know that the uh, lockdown is not fun. A lot of us, uh, myself included, we have plans to go out and try to uh, take in some of the Christmas events uh, between Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and SeaWorld and places like that. But unfortunately, um, you know, when you step back from your disappointment, the public health and the public good does have to take priority. I know people might say this is overkill and so on and so forth, but better safe than sorry. It's an old cliche, but it does hold up very well. And that's going to do it for us. We will talk to you next week, and hopefully we'll have uh, even more uh, good news for you. Until then, take care.